Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 80 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I have my core team, my core core, like if this all falls apart team, I guess, which is, <laughs> meaning people who are obligated to be here no matter what, Mr. Matthew Aguilar What's and up, producer baby? Jim Viscardi. Oh my gosh, does that make us your ride or dies? Uh, oh, it does! Yeah, like, well, don't, don't jump the gun on those terms. Like, let's just... Nice! Yeah, let's there we keep go. It, keep it relaxed. We, uh, I like to categorize very carefully. friendship bracelets. Um, <laughs> so, Jesus. So I brought these guys on because uh, we had to talk about a bunch of geek-tastic things that I need some uh, expertise on. We are going to be, as you hear this, you will be streaming The Mandalorian Season 2. But uh, fun fact, Disney is keeping this season under tight wraps. There are no leaks, no previews, nothing. So press has no, we, we get nothing. We don't know anything. So today we're going to be talking about what our preview of The Mandalorian Season 2, our predictions for it, and see how, how kind of we come out of this starting with the season premiere. But um, yeah, so we don't have any indication of what's going to happen before. So this is just going to be pure fan speculation talk, which, I, which is, you know, in some ways my favorite thing. Before and then anyone listening will be able to be like, oh, those guys were right, or those guys yeah. were way off. Yeah, and we get it from both sides, whatever we are, either <laughs> of those things. So we're going to be doing a bunch of Mandalorian preview to get you back in the mood. Also, any of these guys, because we're going to be deep diving into the midpoint of the X-Men crossover event, uh, Ten of Swords, which is Ten of Swords Stasis has just come out. So we're going to go through that book. Plus, Jim is on hand because Jim felt slighted last time. He missed out on a the episode he probably should have been on, which was the casting of Marvel's Moon Knight. But uh, as a nice consolation prize, uh, Jim, if you've seen his Instagram, has been kind of touting his Moon Knight comic knowledge. And so we are going to let him give a rundown here to kind of get it all out and vent all his Moon Knight <laughs> love about uh, which comics you guys should be checking out, picking up to get more familiar with this character. And on the news front, we got to take a look again at the Uncharted movie because we got another big kind of costuming reveal for that. We have to get into a discussion about what's going on with Zack Snyder in this Justice League Snyder cut. There's some interesting industry speculation I thought we should be discussing. Lucasfilm is making moves maybe to do something with Boba Fett. We got to talk about that. And because Matt's here, we got to talk about the Save by the Bell reunion series coming to Peacock, which made another big reveal of its own. So fun show today. Let's get started. All right, right up at the top in our news flash. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the Uncharted movie. So... This is one of gaming's big movie hopes, uh, Uncharted, which will star Tom Holland as, of course, the Uncharted game iconic character, Nathan Drake. We got that first look at Holland as Nathan Drake, I believe, like 
a week ago now or so. Yep. And yeah, people had, you know, all around it was good. Although Tom Holland does look kind of young. And we went into that whole thing with Matt and I believe Connor was here. And we kind of tore into like what the good and bads of Tom Holland's Nathan Drake look are. But there was a consensus, which was we cannot really feel any kind of way about this movie <laughs> until we finally get to see what they're doing with Mark Wahlberg as Sully, who is, you know, also just as important to Uncharted as Nathan Drake. And Mark Wahlberg playing that character, I think, raised more eyebrows on fans than, than the Tom Holland, Nathan Drake casting. So it's been a big question. Well, this week we got to actually see the answer, you know, get our reveal about what Wahlberg will be wearing. We've seen pictures of his stash before, and now we got a picture of the Sully shirt that he is going to be wearing. And, you know, so far, I feel like this is going to be good. I think this is going to be my favorite Mark Wahlberg role since Dirk Diggler in, in um, whatchamacallit, and I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of that movie. Uh, oh my God! I just had it. Hold on. Boogie nights. Boogie nights. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was like, Oh I yeah, this, be... and then it just yeah. went away. Okay. Yeah, but it, I mean, in the sense that he's going to be kind of taking it that over the top kind of look that he does, like when he's Dirk Diggler in the '70s get up and stuff. And Wahlberg actually handles that stuff, even even creepy, weird stuff, like pretty well. So so far, I'm I'm looking at all the teases, and I, we still got to see like the full effect, right? Like we got to see the full thing, but. So far, so good. I got to hear him talk. I got, I got, that's my biggest thing. Like everything else is pretty damn accurate. Tom Holland's whole get up, spot on really. Like the only issues we really have is like the youth aspect of things, but that's not Holland's fault. Like he is how old he is. So like the look looks great. Sully's shirt, the cigar on the table, like the stash even, all of that looks pretty accurate compared to like the flashback scenes in the series of like a younger Sully without the gray hair. So like all of that is perfect. I still, for the life of me, cannot picture Mark Wahlberg sounding like Sully. Like it just doesn't, it's, it's like an SNL skit that comes out every time I hear Mark Wahlberg's name or it's Ted or like what, like all the movies he's done, it's always just like Mark Wahlberg. And I don't, I have a really hard time. I'm hoping that, he just like proves it wrong, knocks it out of the park, and he becomes that character. But I'm still having a hard time with it. like that. That's what I need to hear. I need to see the dynamic. I need to see them talking and hear them talking. Well, I think that's the thing. I don't know about the sound. I cannot vouch for the sound, but I can vouch for what I think they're going for, which is like Wahlberg is great with that kind of street tough, like smart ass banter, like with people um, that he does in a lot of movies. Uh, Four Brothers is a good example. The Italian Job's like a good example. And so he can do that. And I think that surly kind of smart ass thing is what they're going to go for in the Sully spirit. I, I do not know what it's going to sound like. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But I'll feel better once we actually like get some of that. But as far as just everything else, like authenticity, like it looks straight out of the games. Done really the, good that's going to be the big thing for me. We're like, I like Tom Holland, you know, in this role, mainly because to me, like the action, uh, the potential action sequences for this movie, like feels like it could be Spider-Man without the, like Spider-Man level action without the, uh, without the costume. Right. And so um, like that, that type of wild stuff is I think the stuff that, that gets me a bit more excited than, than really anything else for the potential for this. But then I realized this is also a Ruben Fleischer movie. And then I'm like, 
Oh boy. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting <laughs> I, every time you someone brought it up at Slack or it might have been you. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. but we'll see. But we'll see. You know, that mean, hey, at least we can say for that. I know every record, I don't hate Venom, but like at the same time. I don't time, hate Venom either. No, I mean he's made I mean he made Zombie Land and everybody got hyped, and then he made what was that other one? Like Gangster Squad or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, with you know, uh yeah, with everybody, oh, and yeah. it still sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that had like what Ryan I had Gosling. High hopes. I had high hopes. I think it had like movie. Anthony Mackie, but anybody, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. that was stacked, and it's still like it's so forgettable that it's just like <laughs> I mean that's like the real crime, right? It's hard to even remember like what that. Oh, it had Emma Stone. Like yeah, everybody was in that. Hey, movie. Everybody in that. Movie. Sean Penn, uh, Ryan Sh- Gosling, uh, Shia Anthony was Stone, in it, right? Giovanni Rubisi, like yeah, uh, that's a different movie. Um, no, not Shia, but uh, yeah. And so everybody was in <laughs> Josh Brolin. Like everybody was in that movie. Um, so like, yeah, he doesn't necessarily make guaranteed hits, but uh, this could be one. I mean, Zombie Land had that kind of genre humor mix that could really work out well here. So I don't know. It's a, it's really a wait and see on this one. Cross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better keep them cross tight. All right, so that's Uncharted. You can go on comicbook.com gaming and check that out and see the pictures. And if you haven't been keeping up, you can see Holland. You can see the stash, that Wahlberg sporting, all that stuff. Moving right along, let's talk about Justice League, this Snyder Cut. So one of the most interesting things about 2020 has been, obviously, the announcement that the Snyder Cut is going to happen. Then, I mean, it's been gotten just crazy from there. We thought it was just a victory. Hey, we're getting the Snyder Cut. Somebody's going to press the release button. No, then we find out there would never really was a Snyder Cut. They're building the Snyder Cut. They're investing tens of millions of dollars to do it. The original cast and some other people from DC movies are coming back to reshoot scenes and do all this stuff. And it's going to be a four-part miniseries on HBO Max. And while we've been kind of dissecting each piece of that across season two, we've also been circling continuously the larger question of, like, what's the purpose of this? And I think in our last discussion about Jared Leto's Joker, uh, we were kind of evenly split, or, or I forget if, if it was even, but uh, Matt and Connor, I believe you guys were, were advocating for the sector of DC movie fans who were excited to have gotten past this Snyderverse and all its entanglements and to kind of getting movies like Aquaman, for better or worse, or Shazam that had that more light and kind of fun DC movie tone. Yeah. Um, and so we've been asking, like, what is the purpose in the end game of this? Like, what is the investment in, in completing this Justice League? Like, why do it? I mean, it seemed like at first just fan service, but this has grown beyond that with the amount of money being put in and the effort well, being put in. Like, well, but, 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 but look, at it, look at it this way, right? Warner Brothers has already written off the cost and anything associated with Justice League, right? So now HBO Max is producing four new hour-long episodes of television, highly produced episodes of television. Given how much that they have spent on the episodes of shows like Game of Thrones and Westworld or whatnot, this feels like that type of investment, right? They are basically like, so the question of like, was there a Snyder Cut? Is this a Snyder Cut? Or, you know, whatever. Like, was there a Snyder Cut? Yeah, probably. Is what we are seeing the Snyder Cut? No. Absolutely not, because they're like, if they're doing additional photography and other stuff, it is not the original cut that Zack Snyder had. I don't think, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, we've been on the show, but like, I've kind of dropped the veil. Like, there was a lot we heard when this whole Josh Whedon, Zack Snyder shift happened. I never believed that he finished the film. Like, I don't believe that there was a Snyder cut at this point. 
I think he was working on a film and then they decided to go in a different direction. So, I, I mean, I agree with you, but my point is like, why do this? Like why for Warner Brothers, like what's the upshot for them? And this is what brings us to this new article where an industry insider is kind of talking to the observer and the basic long short, you can read the whole breakdown of what he or she says on uh, comicbook.com movies or comicbook.com DC. But the long short of it was saying that the end game for Warner Brothers and Warner Media is not investment in the Snyder cut, but rather re-upping their investment in Zack Snyder himself, which was kind of an interesting prospect. And basically, he ends by saying, this is more specific than how Marvel has developed its crossover audience appeal. What it really shows is long-term commitment, patience, and loyalty to a filmmaker to create something grand. Um, and so this is an investment in Zack Snyder himself, which is an interesting thing because it raises an interesting question again of what's the end game here. And so kind of what I'm speculating and just discussing with you guys is, is this kind of an investment in Zack Snyder just to be a director for Warner media? Because it seems like this is specific to helping to develop their streaming platform, uh, which is HBO max, of course, and, and this DC universe because there are the new incoming execs are kind of taking the Snyderverse as a first step to many other plans that they've kind of laid out that we saw in DC Fandom and for the larger movies. Flash is going to be getting into time travel and all in alternate universes and all this stuff. So, do you think that Warner Media is reinvesting in Snyder just to make whatever films, or do you think they're reinvesting in the Snyderverse? Uh, as the kind of DC movie canon. Well, Jim, well, I mean, you want to go first? You have yeah, I'll go first. Matt's if, like his brain hurts. <laughs> if there are... Because um, he's going to combust if I tell <laughs> if, if there are... Uh, if the movie plans for The Flash or the rumored plans for The Flash are are correct, right? It's going to be Flashpoint... And it's going to be a resetting of things. Then I think this is just in, in a, a mean, I think this is a way to connect to that. Where like, instead of it setting up necessarily the universe, you know, the universe, this is a way to set up the flash movie in a way that like, as far as putting the, you know, chess pieces on the board, wherever they need to be for flashpoint to say, okay, let's throw everything into a blender and come out on the other side with the new DC universe, whatever that is. If that's the case, I think that's a smart play. I don't think there is necessarily, um, I, I, don't, I don't know as if you build, further build this, the, this Snyderverse. Cause I think like, doesn't Zach have a sweet Netflix deal? I mean, that's where army of the dead is going. And, you know, I think he's doing a bunch of like, he's doing a he bunch does of right now. stuff. Well, well yeah, sure. I mean, he does right now. Well, he was in director jail. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but well, like, and as we've seen with James Gunn, you can probably do both. I mean, you can work out yeah. deals and do both. So giving one, like doing this and like getting back into like the Warner brothers camp doesn't necessarily mean he has to ditch all that stuff. I mean, he can do yeah. both. I mean, I would love to see Zack Snyder do non DC movies at Warner brothers. Like this, I, like I just would like to see more Zack Snyder stuff. I don't, I, you know, 
if, like I said, if what they're doing, what they're, or what the rumors are, what they plan on doing with Flash and Flashpoint and all that, to me, this seems more like a bridge to that as opposed to, as opposed to anything else. Because now that we know that there's going to be additional photography, now we know that they're, they're, they're adding more to this, I can't see them, right? Because like the original ending for this movie was supposed to set up another one. And I, yeah. I can't imagine them doing that. No, well, that's probably why we're getting. Well, they can it they so can much. change the timeline on that. You can still set yeah, the dark right. sides out there. He's still a threat. He now knows Earth's a threat. It doesn't have to be tomorrow that we go to Justice League. Too. But like, I don't view this compilation, as it were, this four episode thing. I don't view this as just what Justice League was supposed to be. I felt like the minute they announced additional stuff being put in budget, it was always going to be this was going to be a a truncated version of both films this was going to be like a a streamlined storyline that that hits all those beats plays out differently probably than he imagined to do that but he's got okay he has how long are these episodes an hour probably right like maybe i mean i don't know i don't know if we've confirmed each they have not they initially said four episodes and we assume that they would be an hour i assume i imagine they will probably be an hour and a half each because yeah. then you're talking about two movies worth of length. Right. Especially if they're an hour episodes. and a half each. Yeah. yeah. So even at an hour, it's, it's a very tight, you know what I mean? Two movies, no, but like at an still, hour each, that is but, just a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> but like Zack Snyder movie. That, my thing is the, the whole insider thing was interesting. I don't, I don't know that it makes sense in that way because like one, just on a, on a resume thing, like when was the last, like, celebrated like unmitigated without controversy and whatever and it was critically panned pure hit that snyder had at warner brothers was that 300 well no i mean he because watchmen had critical a bunch of backlash yeah no no, i remember did well yeah right Uh, i mean the things he's been involved in wonder woman would be the last because he was involved in that but not they're like but as a director 300 yes is the answer right yeah because yeah he's been producer credits and things like that but like that they don't look at him as the sole voice of that that's they look at they give credit to Uh, having covered having gotten back into warner brothers in that with wonder woman um wonder woman was the last kind of gasping breath of the snyder verse um, yeah, where it kind of moved, where and, it, and Wonder Woman turned out to be this weird yeah. hybrid. Where the didn't Snyder Aquaman verse, come out after that though? I mean, Aquaman. Yeah, was yeah, but uh, yeah, but not in the production side. Like sure. Wonder Woman was still produced with a lot of the same powers that be. Yeah. from the oh, Snyder verse, yes. who got you thrown out like tell. halfway through that, and then yeah. they started getting replaced with new people. And you can um, tell that in the movie that there is at least that little tether. It still feels a little yeah. connected. Aquaman does not. Yeah. <laughs> Aquaman, Aquaman does not feel at like, all. Yeah, you go back and once we see the full Zack Snyder, like a Jason Momoa version of Aquaman, we're gonna probably be like, "Wow, that Toto Africa or that Pitbull, yeah. <laughs> way out there." Like, yeah, that's totally different. But um, but yeah, yeah. From so, the hit side, I don't get it. And also from because it seems weird that they would like try and ingratiate themselves. I, I don't think a studio does that. As I saw some of the stuff about like loyalty meaning something and things like that going beyond the money. When you're talking that much money, like I don't think that is there is nothing beyond that much money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like I don't see that as like no. I don't think a studio is doing that just to like bring a director in or keep them from somebody else and not someone with the kind of hit and like you know hit and miss resume of of late with them so like that seemed odd to me uh that they would do that i feel like it it worked out dc kind of backed themselves into their multiverse 
they kind of backwards pedaled and just ha- kind of by accident happened to get to the place where we all told them they should be at the beginning and say, hey, you can do multiverse and do fun stories and it doesn't have to all be connected to the same thing. And then they went, okay, well, we have this service that needs new content. We have this thing that people won't stop talking about for however many years. That seems, that seems if we can like kind of, you know, uh, repair some things, maybe we can like have those merge and then like fix our universe and have a really nice starting point. But I think it all just kind of worked out that way. I don't think they pursued him to just like be in the Snyder business. I don't, I don't think that's the case. No, I can see a kind of a middle ground, which is that if this does well, that Snyder gets brought in as back as part of the creative team, like as the, you know, he's a Feige more than he's like a, you know, a Russo brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, but like, why not keep the Snyder? You can keep the Snyderverse around, sure, but keep it to HBO Max or keep it at its like, hey, we're gonna get another Snyderverse movie, but that doesn't but like, affect our but, other grand plans. But what about Wonder things. Woman though? Just roll over the stuff that takes a bunch of thought. Like <laughs> people are <laughs> at this point, people are going to see a Wonder Woman movie because they're going to see a Wonder Woman movie. They are not going to see it because it connects to Snyder. At this point, I mean, that's, that's not the that's, case. That is absolutely true. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. We're not going to get too deep because we don't really know. This is just somebody in an industry inside of talking. But it's going to be interesting to see like what the actual outcome is from this Snyder Definitely. Cut thing and what they do in the future. All right. Let's move on. And I feel like we need to take a break and pay some bills. Yes, we do. So let's take a break, pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with Star Trek's Boba Fett. Saved by the Bell, X-Men comics, and The Mandalorian. And then Jim gets to kind of finally let loose and vent on some Moon Knight. All right, (laughs) so stay tuned for all of that. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, we're back. So in a kind of list of things that are kind of quietly happening and inviting a lot of exciting speculation, we're getting ready to sit here, and uh, like I said, by the time you hear this, you guys will be probably streaming Mando Season 2 because The Mandalorian <laughs> Season 2 will premiered. But what fans are buzzing about going into that premiere is a kind of trademark that was discovered and kind of posted online that shows that Lucasfilm is kind of re-upping its trademarks for Boba Fett, and uh, it's listed uh, fiction books in the field of science fiction, fantasy series, f- series of fiction books, blank journals, binders, clipboards, posters, notebooks, and trading cards are the kind of specific things they are filing trademark for. for. But 
what this kind of invites is speculation amongst fans that they are securing merchandising trademarks for some specific reason, that there's something in the works with Boba Fett in Star Wars coming up. And uh, the timing is not just, you know, incidental, right? Like, we know that Boba Fett is going to appear in The Mandalorian Season 2. He'll be played by Tamora Morrison, the guy who played Jango Fett in the Star Wars prequels. And he's been teased ever since season one and after the end of episode five, I believe. And there's a huge mystery around this because Boba Fett, of course, last we saw got eaten by a Sarlacc in Return of the Jedi and how he makes a return and what happens next is one big mystery. The other big thing about this is the question of, does this signify something bigger? Are we going to jump the gun like Jim and say, this is like a Boba Fett movie and a TV series that's coming? Um, because of course, these are just minor merchandising things. So are we kind of clearing the runway for that? Because the other big possibility that we kind of come to in an educated guest scenario is that they're repeating what they did in season one with the child, AKA baby Yoda, which people weren't hip enough to kind of search for that stuff back then, but they held off releasing any merchandise of baby Yoda before the Mandalorian premiere to preserve the secret. And that's how they kind of got that secret out there. This would factor in the same way, theoretically, because this will be a redesign of Boba Fett. It, it's almost certainly we're not getting the same iconic suit and armor from what we saw in the kind of teaser. It's going to definitely be in a different outfit, which means if you know anything about big franchises like Star Wars, <laughs> as soon as you show that on screen, you got to have like the merchandising needed to be done like six months ago, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. So that they can start rolling out these new Boba Fett figures, which will almost certainly be a huge collector's item because Boba Fett has been one of the most iconic pieces of Star Wars merchandise, even though this little minor role in the franchise, which is like the big joke, right? Like how this guy yep. who has like two lines and a few scenes became like this major Star Wars icon. But if we get a new Boba Fett, yeah, people are going to be wanting that merch and you got to start locking that down. So what do you guys think? Um, personally, I think it's a little of both in this case. I think this is just the first marketing ramp up for what Tamara Morrison's Boba Fett will look like. And so people can put that on all these different things. I also think there will be maybe a book release that kind of hopefully fills in like what the hell Boba Fett's been doing in the Star Wars franchise between Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian. But I also think this is just the beginning and that this character could be appearing in, in more Star Wars projects later. And this is just a ramp up, but that's just me. Yeah, I agree. What with you? I think, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's, it's a balance of the two. I don't, I don't, I would be shocked if we don't get some kind of tie in novel because to me, Star Wars is just so big and even just Disney in general, it's just really big on tie in novels. So, I mean, I imagine we'll get something like that to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, hopefully it's not as like, hopefully it doesn't have to fill in as many blanks as like some of the other star Wars novelizations. Um, but you know, I also feel like, yeah, they're, they're just waiting a little bit. And with these kinds of things, right. You're also kind of just like, it was different with the child or like, you know, baby Yoda. Cause like when, when you're trying to like trademark and copyright that stuff, that stuff wasn't like, no one knew what to think with the child. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, no one, nobody yeah. that that's, that was a good one because that just sounded like an extra. Yeah. Boba Fett people are going to notice. And unfortunately they've already had that secured. Right. So whenever that pops up, they have to renew it. Otherwise someone's going to go and like whatever, steal it. So and like at, at that point, yeah. Oh, it's I got feel a like it's funny that. program note that ages me in this business. I remember the last time this happened, it was 10 years ago. It was in 2010. 
And at that time, we were all freaking out that uh, Boba Fett was going to be one of the first Star Wars standalones, the ones that became Rogue. Oh, yeah. Solo. Yeah. yeah, Boba Fett was supposed to be the other one. It was, that was by Josh Trank. Yeah, it was Josh Trank's that, that we thought he was going to be making until the whole Fantastic Four debacle happened. Um, so what you're saying is we could be completely wrong on this <laughs> because <laughs> this might not happen. No, I'm saying, I, I'm saying that the hope is now people are saying that like what went wrong 10 years ago may actually get corrected here. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind. You know, I'm excited. I love Boba Fett and I want to read a book. Honestly, I do love more and more. I love reading Star Wars is more, even more so than necessarily watching some of it. So I would love to read a book about like how he got out of the Sarlacc pick, what he's done. I'd love to see more of him dealing back with, um, because Boba became a very interesting character in, if you haven't watched again, the Star Wars, the animated series, like Rebels and Clone Wars, Boba Fett as a young clone of after Attack of the Clones, they deal with the aftermath of how did Boba Fett go from being just a kid holding Jango Fett's head to this feared bounty hunter. And they do these wonderful things in the animated series about showing how he started his own band of criminals and bounty hunters and, and met all those guys you saw like in Empire Strikes Back and became a legit like criminal mastermind and leader and stuff like that. So I would love to see just more with that character, the expanded version of the character that like Dave Filoni and other people have kind of created around him instead of just mysterious dude in helmet. This uh, is the first time I've been excited for Boba in a long time. Yeah. Like, and w- because yeah. we've never had him back since, since we've gotten these, much wider and deeper characterization of him in, in the Star Wars animated series. Like we've never seen him back since that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Cause yeah, he, he really was like a mastermind, uh, you know, a great criminal, a great bounty hunter, a schemer. Like he was like a reverse Lando, you know what I mean? Like he was just good at hustling. So it'll be kind of cool to see that. And uh, however every he comes back. Hustling. Yeah. Every day Bo was hustling. All right, moving right along. <laughs> now to what uh, Matt's really excited about, Saved by the Bell. Something happened, and I don't usually perk up for Saved by the Bell. I know. This you, shocked me. I mean, it's shocking everybody. Like, this is shocking. So tell us what we're getting with this Saved by the Bell uh, revival series on Peacock, that, the latest development. Yeah, so hey, – well, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. That trailer, oddly charming. I right? was I was ready no, to we not like it. Yeah, we did an was, episode. We we did not hate, we didn't hate it. Like yeah, I was ready to not like it. I was ready to write it off, and it was very charming. Yeah, it's it's in on the joke, right? So that's well, the, the 30, biggest thing. Well, the thing is, it's the Thirty Rock people. So like, yeah, yeah. it's it's so it made Saved for by that. The Bell, but it's really like Thirty Rock does Saved by the Bell. Episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, so yeah, the we, and in that. Uh, most recent new look, we got, of course, the additions of Zach. Finally, actually got to see him. And then we saw Kelly. And so, you know, the last two are, of course, Screech and Lisa, uh, if you don't count Tori. So those two are kind of like the ones like, you know, we kind of, fans kind of figured we weren't going to get them. But Lark Voorhees is actually going to be a part of the revival. And we actually got our first look at her today. And, uh, you know, at this point in time, she's Lisa has become like a, a big fashion designer. We don't know how extensive her role is going to be in the revival, but like the fact that she's there at all is like super cool. Cause I feel like, like me, I feel like most fans just, you know, she's kind of been separated from the franchise for years. No, nah, she's like the Scott Bayo of this you know, in some way. It was, thought she was like, yeah. Well, I loved like Lisa in the original. Yeah, and it yeah. was just cool to see her like but, back in. Well, yeah, Lark Voices was on a very strange journey. Um, yeah. And she looked good in the photo, and I don't keep things superficial like that, but um, there have been times where she, it looked like the industry was not going yeah. very she well for her. Yeah, she went through a lot her. of stuff. Uh, yeah. 
both not just physically, but like mentally and mental health wise. And she looked good in this and it made me happy. So I was like happy to throw this on the show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So now the question is, and I don't know what, I don't know what happened to Dustin Diamond after like the, mm. like him selling his own shirts and stuff. Like after that era, I kind of lost track. So I don't know actually know what happened <laughs> to Dustin Diamond at that point. Uh, I mean, not do you good. think that ever Just happens? That never happens, right? That never, that never happens. Like that one is one that people can say like, that's not going to happen. He's not going to I mean, it would be it. a surprise and it would, I'm sure would be a, a bone thrown. Um, but I just don't see it. I, yeah, I don't see it either. But Lisa's back, and that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. getting the, almost the whole cast together is great. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, actually do check out the trailers for uh, Say by the Bell. Peacock's quietly still kind of killing it. Killing yeah. it, man. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Diamond's been through. And they just announced 22 million subscribers. They didn't announce how many of those they gave away for free, but they've got 22 million. Wow. So here's the thing. So on that, and then I know we got to move on, but – so my, uh, I got a thing with Verizon with a lot, like a lot of Disney plus customers, right. And got the yeah. free year. So they just pinged me. Right. And we're like, Hey, it's ending. And, uh, it's ending like on November, like forget what it is. It's like second, I think it's second or third week in November. And my so midway was, through the Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. Yep. So not all the way at the end. That's how they're getting like, everybody. Yeah, that's how they're getting you. So I'm like, okay, I'll pay for one more month, maybe two. However long it takes for the Mandalorian season to end, no, and then I'll got, let it go. But then you got WandaVision. You're going to be right back in it. Yeah, but that's not going to st- – is that starting right after Mando? I'm pretty sure it still starts like – It's right in December, after. right? Yeah. It's, in de- yeah. it's in December. So, like, it, it will really just be a case of, like, me renewing on a per basis. Peacock, right. I get free with Xfinity yeah. because they have a deal. But if yeah. that ever goes – that's the one I'm renewing. Like well, that's Peacock's, the one I'm out of pocket for. <laughs> so Peacock's strategy was it hasn't gotten enough credit for how ingenious it is. Like they really figured out the tiered systems like really well. Yeah. First tier, you're free because we're gonna commercial the living hell out of you, <laughs> and like you only get certain kinds of a certain amounts of the content, right? And it's like, but that's free, so you get in the door. And as you get used to liking Peacock, then you're like, okay, well I'll just make that extra step for the next tier, which is like you know, all the content, but still commercials. And then it's like no commercials and all the content. And then it just keeps going up. And they, they did that very well. So they've been Smart. quietly and getting into the Xfinity customer base was, I mean, we've been saying that's the key for everybody. Like as long as I can just say stuff into my remote and I don't have to do nothing, like <laughs> yeah. I'll be watching your streaming service. All right. So yeah. And Dustin Diamond. Yeah. Uh, looking at over. He's, uh, ooh, yeah. I don't see Not him good. coming. No. Yeah. <laughs> Last, uh, last we heard, he was, again, violating probation and was arrested. So who knows where he is now? All right. Moving right along to our deep dive. Today, we're going to deep dive into uh, a quick breakdown of a comic that came out this week, which is the X-Men X, uh, Ten of Swords event, where we've reached the midpoint. So Ten of Swords, if you haven't been listening, is the kind of the big event series continuation or direct sequel to kind of uh, House of X and with taking all the threads that the Dawn of X books kind of put on the table and pulling them together into this big interdimensional war between the X-Men's nation of Krakoa and this dimension of other world that has a dark half, which is Ameth. And that's where the other half of the X-Men's living Island was lost. Arako and, Ar- and Apocalypse's wife and his original horsemen. And now they're all coming back to try to reclaim Krakoa and, and get vengeance and run the X-Men off of this. But before that, they have to cross Outer World and Saturnine, the kind of goddess of the multiverse, has made them all gather these swords for an epic sword fight 
Uh, I believe it's 10 champions on one side, 10 champions on the other side. And so the first half of the story was getting the kind of the stage. We had X of Swords or 10 of Swords creation, which was just explaining what other world was, what AMF was, who were Rocco and the original Horsemen and all that and what they were up to and kind of setting the stage for this quest to get these swords. The first chapters, 11 chapters or 10 chapters of this story have been about each individual warrior on the X-Men side getting their swords. And that's Apocalypse, Wolverine, Storm, Cable, Magic, Doug Ramsey with Warlock, um, Gorgon, and I believe that's everybody, and Captain Britons, the two Captain Britons, Betsy and Brian Braddock. So we watched them all get their swords, and we talked about how those stories were good when they kind of focused on certain warriors, like the Wolverine stories, the Doug Ramsey story, the Storm stories were all very good. And interesting. Um, so Ten of Swords Stasis is now out. And basically what that does is shows us the beginning of this tournament, the sword tournament and other world while providing us in a quick, concise fashion, the how the other team goes and gets its fighters and its swords. And what I'll say about this book is I really do like these main books. Um, the like creation and stasis very much. First of all, the art's gorgeous and, and the way it's yeah. kind of laid out is very epic. But uh, I like the storytelling and that Hickman does and, and these. And I thought that when I've been covering the sword bearers of Araco this whole time, I thought this looked like some gimmicky X-Men crap in the beginning. But <laughs> this, uh, this issue actually makes you like care and interested in these various dark characters. And more importantly, like, I like that it's not some arch villain team that it's like all united, that there is Hickman can't help but to like world build at all times. And he's seriously, just, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like and, and that's the most exciting thing about this. I think it's just, I'm more excited, whatever the tournament turns out to be getting actual exciting purpose out of other world is a miracle in itself. For I mean, real. Creating an entire secondary like world and politics to AMF and the dark half and all the kingdoms there and showing this intrigue that kind of exists within them and these mutants who have been there for, you know, thousands of years is now again, and I never know with Hickman, like, are we going to get all this richness or is this just stage setting and world building? But I would love to spend years of X-Men stories just still exploring like what is happening over here. But uh, I, I yeah, love I think it's bearer. I think it's window dressing. Yeah, I, I mean, I unfortunately will be. Uh, <laughs> I like the sword bearers of Morocco. They're an interesting kind of thing. The original horsemen. And I like the new characters we finally who we've seen thrown all over the promos and mentioned, but we finally get to meet for real in this one. Um, like the white sword or Iska the unbeaten uh, or uh, what that one, like? especially the fact that like it can't lose. Yeah, and cool. like, right, like reverse weird domino, right? Like a kind of like offbeat domino, like just has a power of can't lose. Like, all right, we're going to see where we go with that. So screwed whoever has to go against yeah. that sword. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so like, yeah. And so just seeing them like Pog or Pog, which might be like my favorite Marvel, like weird name thing since Groot. Uh, and Pog or Pog just seems like a great character because this dude is just totally unscrupulous, just in it for the money. Um, but yeah, so this was a very interesting chapter of this. And I liked digging. And it's a good story when you, when you care like about and are interested in the villains as much as the heroes. Yeah. And so, like I said, everything with the original Horseman and all that was, was really super interesting. So is this uh, you, you and I, it's a mix of Laraz and uh, Azrar. Yeah, Man, you you and I have two totally different opinions mm -hmm. about this book. 
because I thought the entire first half of this book was boring. <laughs> Did not care. Did not care. The minute that they, this book focused on the X-Men and them showing up and like the moment with all the tarot cards and that the conversation good. with Apocalypse, the huge reveal that everyone saw coming, um, that I was like, yes, that's what I wanted. Give me more of that. I'm ready for this. So impatient. The, <laughs> so the, impatient. But, okay, well, I mean, but the, I understand if, where he's Oh, like, okay. All right, here we go. From. No, no, but but hold on because need like two swords like Gorgon on this one. Because because like like the like, uh, like you mentioned like the Wolverine the, I really loved the Wolverine chapters and I loved getting to learn about you know those other warriors in that manner. And I would have liked more of that in the other chapters, right? I understand there's only X amount of time you can get to. Uh, they got two books. Do certain things. To be yeah, fair. Uh, right. Like nobody else, um, almost no one else has gotten two books to like really dedicate <laughs> right. to their swords. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like a lot of it's very, like a lot of it's very interesting. The care, you know, I like the character designs. I think they're all great, but like, I just want to, I would rather learn about them in action as opposed to this basically it's a i mean it's a classic hickman trope right it's an expose dump in the form you know in the form of an uh, of an issue that's overly wordy it's 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 incredibly dense and i understand that you it's it all plays out or whatever but it just You're reads some... like it just reads like a rejected legion of superheroes pitch and i don't oh, care about legion of oh superheroes. go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. yeah. So, forks coming after you but like but but, but like but the stuff that he does with the x-men and like he's but like like we said before, like these characters don't feel important to me yet. They don't feel earned. Like like you can give them to me in fifteen or so pages. That doesn't mean I I, I care about them yet. I have no reason to. I care about some of them, right? Like the original Four Horsemen. At this point, like okay, I am still intrigued by. Um, but all of those other characters, to me, they 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 just look like jobbers. Like there's no way <laughs> jobbers. <laughs> it's just like they haven't done anything to make me care to care about them yet. But that's okay. why. But that's what I love about the X Men parts because we've been living with these characters in Hickman's world for for as long as we have now that they all feel fleshed out they feel real and the stakes feel like is legit and so like like i loved each one of those x-men getting the tarot cards and then even getting like you know your hickman text page about like what the tarot tarot cards mean and really whatnot. Cool. And, like, and i also appreciated the diagram of all the swords to me, that's all I need. I don't need the 15 pages of uh, of all the character stuff. Okay. Give me, just give me those and tell me who has them, and okay. I and I'm okay. So here's so here's where I stand. And Kofi, you don't have to pull out double swords here, because ironically, I'm actually I understand both points of view here. Because when this book started, those first two pages, I agree are like, oh my God. Cause like all I could see was like, I'm going to have to learn about nine other worlds. I'm going to have to learn about all this crap. I really don't want to read about it. <laughs> I don't want, I don't care what's going on with Saturday. Like, I don't care about that. And then slowly, slowly, but surely over the course of this book, I cared. And I actually agree with Kofi. I came around to really digging some of these characters because they actually didn't feel like one dimensional people. Like there's some characters now that I actually like want to see them 
more oh, than I want to see the X Men. Captain Britain, who cares? <laughs> who cares about okay. Captain Britain? But, 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 who cares but, 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 about Cable? I like Cable, but I don't care about really this Cable yet. And whoever's going to face him, I'm way more intrigued than that. I'm intrigued in the Wolverine, like uh, Solus, yeah. Solum, Solum, yeah, Solus yeah. Dragovich. So, <laughs> so, like, I'm interested in that. Like, there's a couple people in here. Like, of course, I'm like way into Doug. I want to see Storm. Like, I'm in for those characters. But there's a couple characters here that I'm really interested to see. Like who their opposition is yeah. well, I only care more about so I than about there. Buck, I care that's, about and spoil. And I'm, I'm gonna do it like, like, I don't think we can not, not spoil this. Oh, no, 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 no. Spoiler. So, so I'm spoiler. going to say, so I'm putting the spoiler warning. Here is the spoiler. Come back in, ten, in five to 10 minutes and we'll have gone by it. The only two characters I care about are death or the, of the, the, the uh, Arako characters, death and Apocalypse's wife. That's it. I, see, I don't care about any of the original four horsemen. <laughs> no, I think I, I care about the four horsemen as a unit, not individually. Yes, agreed. Like, I um, like the premise, yeah. but I don't care I about them. And what I like that Hickman has done is, I think this is a very well-plotted story. And why I enjoy the first pages of this is because this is the midpoint where they're taking breadcrumbs that he sprinkled and they're organizing them into a much more intriguing line. So, like... There's all this stuff, and Hickman's very good about kind of telling you a bunch of stuff that feels like overload while kind of using that to distract you in his three-card money way to not tell you key information that you, you don't even spend, you forget to wonder about. Like, what happened? Because all these people were a team, like, once. They were all, like, these original mutants, and there's even very specific breakdowns in their charts about who they are, and I think there's only one of them that's, like, a reclaimed mutant from the original Araka, and everybody else is from Iraq or from Akara and everybody else is Arako mutants. So these are ancient mutants who used to be like family and friends together before whatever happened in Ameth to kind of split them up. And that mystery on the villain side it, it has kind of kept my focus. And so I really did like, first of all, we've seen the first half of the story where we don't really know a lot about this dark half of other world or other world as a whole. And so what I liked about this first hog or pog looks like Hickman is just a fan of super dinosaur. I know, I get it, but like Trump with that. <laughs> what I like, what I like, lizard about the man opening, from Soul Calibur. <laughs> okay, what I like about the opening of the book is it's the first time because all throughout these dawn are for these Ten of Swords books, there have been charts in each one of them about a specific kingdom of yeah. Ameth and like in the dark half of Otherworld and what they are from the Horde to the like Fey to the Crooked Market, and this was the first time you actually got to see all that stuff together in a scene. So I was actually glad for that just to see Saturine trying to meet with all these people in her kingdom and being like, what the hell is this place and who are all these people? And kind of getting my sense of that. I love this issue for the individual villain character scenes because I like the white sword like a lot. And that scene was like my favorite scene in this book with him just saying to them, to the, to the original horsemen, Oh, like, I, just I want, want you to, to hear beg. you beg. Yes, yeah. that's such <laughs> a good line. Just trolling them. Like, I knew one day you'd come back here and like, you need me. And like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't care what it's about. Beg. Like, I just want to hear you beg. Because they have this rivalry. Iska the Unbeaten doesn't even have to say anything, but there's something that happened there to some kind of falling out. And uh, the Dark Storm character, the one who's just a beast killer or whatever her name is, um like yeah who just says yeah let's go i got men to kill yeah i know that was great i love all those scenes were really well done and i feel like there's gonna be something with the living forest and what happens when arako and krakoa kind of finally meet up again and you know finding out that again they're also it's not like some one island like there's a like arako's a female half and 
Krakoa was the male half and they were like, you know, united. So, and even Pog or Pog and just like that whole scene with him and trying <laughs> to get him do it. And he's saying stuff like, you're bringing me stolen gems. And they're like, do you care? And he's like, eh, no. Nah. Like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and just kind of yeah, like. There's a lot of that it. stuff. I also just so, really like the apocalypse stuff in here. Yeah. And, the, and the back and forth. Which were like, that stuff's really interesting because like that whole line of like, you're way too old to be so impatient. Yeah, and some, yeah. of those, some of those really interesting things like Cable finding his card and be like, seriously? And then at the end, you see that the full card is like, no, 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 it's not an insult. And then like all that extra little depth is warranted what i will say is in the previous issues up to this unlike kofi i did not like the text dump that was those civilization blurbs. no i hated no i hated <laughs> I, I skip them i skipped them i'm, like, I'm not gonna them. say whatever they were awful Dude, i read them just so they, i like, could understand like what other world important. is they're That's not really like, no you can come into this i didn't read any of them jim and I came into this and perfectly got my bearings and went, okay, I li- I'm interested like that civilization that's been taken over and yet hasn't like invited her to come. That's really interesting. I remember like a hint of that from like one of the other issues, but like I didn't read the whole blurb about it. I, I still am intrigued. Like you don't actually have to, I don't feel like you need to read those. It's great if you do, cause you'll probably get something else out of it, but you don't need to, you can come into this and be and get hooked on this world which i i am and by the way i know it will mostly be window dressing but i will say there's no way hickman plots all this and we don't get a a series at least one spinoff series that is just focused on whoever survives and whatever from this place and 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 the prequel like there's there there is an x-men bc floating around and all this oh yeah yeah i mean all of their all this i mean he's building an entire ancient world in history so like Going back to a series where you see like, you know, Annihilation and Apocalypse leading this ancient mutant supergroup of Krakoa and battling this dark dimension and going to other worlds and stuff like that is all stuff I would love to see in the future. But um, all right, we spent a lot of time on this, but that's Ten of Swords, Stasis. We're going to see what happens when the sword fights. Hopefully Hickman can stick the landing of this and I, the battles I will are actually say, I will say this. If you have not been reading... Uh, X of Swords and have been morbidly curious, this this is a great jumping on point mm-hmm. for you to then go back and catch up if you want to see if this is your thing. I think this sets up the story like up, up to this point very nicely. Um, you will probably be lost in certain places, just not knowing who some of the characters are or whatever. Uh, but I think it does, a, it does a very good job of setting up like why you know, everyone is getting, why everyone needs swords, uh, you know, what, what all that other stuff. And so like, so if you haven't gotten into this and, you know, our, our discussion just, you know, gets you a bit more excited, start here, work backwards, then forward and forwards and you'll be fine. I'm slightly, I say you can read. I mean, if I always just keep it simple to people, if you want to know how to do this, read the house of X powers of 10 event book. It's in the graphic novel. Now read, uh, Ten of Swords creation and read this and then fill in the rest of Dawn of X and all that other stuff. You can yeah. fill in the wikis and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, the main books will keep you going and you'll know if you like it. All right. Moving over from uh, Marvel Comics to Star Wars, The Mandalorian Season 2 is, about, is upon us now. And uh, again, by the time you hear this, the first episode will be out. So some of this will probably be knocked down or we'll have clarity on. But what you're going to get to hear is our little timestamp guesses and predictions for this season. <laughs> what we're excited about. And so you have this preserved so we can compare it to the finished product. All right. uh, I'll go first. So I'm a huge star Wars geek and I'm a big kind of avid fan of the animated series. 
And up until The Mandalorian, a lot of the history of Mandalore was contained in those animated series. And so there's been a big kind of confusing timeline to establish here. Because we know about Mandalore in the time of the High Republic series that's coming out in the start of the year. That's when it was on the Outer Rims. They had their culture. And they, when the Jedi started expanding out there, that's when they started this conflict with them again after their uh, ancient conflict with them. But uh, in the time of the Galactic Civil War, when Anakin became Darth Vader, uh, Mandalore, while Anakin was still fighting the Clone Wars, Mandalore was conquered by Darth Maul and his brother, and they held it for a time before it was kind of, Darth Maul was defeated by uh, Darth Sidious. And then Mandalore kind of was fighting for different clans of leadership. Uh, Both both Star Wars Rebels ended with Sabine Wren capturing the Darksaber and giving it to Bo-Katan Kryze, who was the uh, sister of Duchess Sabine Kryze, who was Obi-Wan's ex-lover, and, or ex-true you know, lover, whatever. And so we left the Star Wars continuity at the end of Rebels with Bo-Katan Kryze, Sabine Wren, and like Captain Rex and other peoples from the Rebels crew committed to going and liberating uh, Mandalore from the Empire. Now... We know in Star Wars canon history that there was a very dark event during the Imperial occupation of Mandalore called the Great Purge, which is when the Mandalorian tribes were either hunted down and executed or ran off from Mandalore. And that resulted in the tribe that we saw in the Mandalorian, this scattered remnants of survivors who are underground and only send one above to kind of complete missions at a time and they're basically trying to rebuild their society after being purged from their home world and losing all their Beskar steel, which was Mandalore's greatest resource for making, it's basically their vibranium, right? For making their armor and their weapons and all that stuff. So we know in Mandalore season, Mandalorian season two, uh, season one ended with the big reveal that Moff Gideon, Gina Carno, Esposito's character has the Darksaber now, which was literally like the final scene of season one, but sent out huge shockwaves to the fandom because him holding that sword has major implications about uh, the storyline of the Great Purge, what happened to Bo-Katan Kryze, and how he got it. So, here's what we know about The Mandalorian Season 2 going in. Characters that were involved in kind of uh, the Great Purge and, and liberating Mar uh, Mandalore from Darth Maul are Bo-Katan Kryze and Ahsoka Tano, Anakin's Padawan. Both of those characters have been cast and will be played in live action by uh, Rosario Dawson will be Ahsoka Tano, and Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica will be Bo-Katan Kryze. We're going to have to deal with what happened in The Great Purge. Uh, the trailers have shown Moff Gideon's like, got a real hard-on for... Or I shouldn't say that, I'm sorry. She has a real kind of uh, burning desire to get Baby Yoda and capture him uh, because of whatever this child means to him. And he's coming with that Darksaber after them. So there's going to be a lot that has to be kind of worked out. Now, how Ahsoka Tano factors into this is still a surprise. We also heard rumors that Sabine Wren and other characters could appear. I believe those rumors are going to be true. I believe we'll see maybe flashbacks but uh, about the Great Purge and what happened that got Moff Gideon the sword. And that would involve Bo-Katan, Kryze, uh, Ahsoka Tano, Sabine Wren, and Captain Rex and the like fighting for Mandalore and ultimately kind of losing that fight. Um, I have a big speculation. I'm in the middle of a Mandalorian marathon watch today for season one. I wouldn't be surprised if the armorer 
that we saw in season one turns out to be Bo Katan Kreese and Katie Sackhoff's character. Oh, only because the accent that the armor has, if you watch the season two trailer for Mandalorian and what is obviously kind of, or I mean, it's the armor again, but it sounds almost like Katie Sackhoff. I wouldn't be surprised if no, that, but don't we know, but it hasn't, but that, that woman is a, is an act like an actress. She's done. Yeah. She's of course she's an actress. Like, yeah, she's been in so the show to replace her. That's never happened before, right? Like oh, somebody right, who's just in a masked enough. role gets replaced by an actual actor when they unmask later could never fair see enough. Um, but it would make sense that Bo-Katan Kreese would be the one to kind of hold the tribe together and, and make them stick to the old ways and would be the one to launch this mission to I was kind of thinking there. that the armorer was going to end up being a bad guy. I mean, this is all on the table. We have no answers. We have no, yeah. we literally know nothing. <laughs> so this could all be on the table. But um, it would be interesting if she was the armorer because we know she's the one who's going to point. We know the storyline of season two is now Mando has the child and he has all these people after him, but his mission is to get the child to the Jedi, uh, which is a very, of course, very big, interesting, another continuity thing because at this time, in my speculation, we did a piece as soon as kind of we learned, saw the Mandalorian season two trailer and learned that Jedi angle. Because my big question is, will we see Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker in this season? I mm. think that's a big surprise that's coming. That would, that, I mean, that, would, that would be a big one. I think the interesting thing, though, is especially like the time frame in, what, in like where the Mandalorian takes place. Yeah, is, if you don't know, right? it's about four or five years after Return of the Jedi. And so apparently, a long time before uh, the Force Awakens. Yeah, I believe that there it, it's happened in some of the uh, some of the expanded stuff. But in this time, the Empire has basically, in like a propaganda wave, erased everything about the knowledge of Jedi, who they were, what they are, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why no one knows what the baby yeah. Yoda or what the well, child creature is. We've done this so out of order, but just to kind of continuity straighten, like, yeah, remember, and a new hope, like Han Solo, none of those people believe that the force and the Jedi are real. Right. Uh, it's only Obi-Wan who knows this stuff and teaches it to Luke. So Obi-Wan dies. Then he finds Yoda, but Yoda's always on a deserted planet. Yoda doesn't come back out and start teaching people. So yeah. by the time of the return of the Jedi, the only two people alive who know, I mean, the only people alive who know anything about the Jedi are really Luke Skywalker, um, his sister Leia, and Ahsoka Tano, if it's revealed she's still around at that time. Yeah. Um, they're the only really live practicing Jedi. And so as far as the universe is concerned, yeah, they, none of that stuff. Yeah, nobody no remembers any of that stuff, yeah. Um, and even by the time, like, the, when we see The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren believes all that stuff. But again, like, General Hux and all those people are back to just kind of like oh who knows all yeah they all like it, it's it's written off as basically like urban legend yeah basically yeah and so no nobody knows anything about the jedi or where to find them or who's around or any of that so well, and, 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 and look i appreciate that we have not gotten much in the way of preview material for the mandalorian uh and like so I, I i love and appreciate that i just wish that this was not a thing that gets released at midnight pacific time like what that is crazy pants. I mean, yeah, but everybody wants to wake up and hit play on the Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're going for. The morning, uh, and all those. But no one you know, at midnight. Yeah, potheads, Jim. Potheads <laughs> on, the on the West Coast. On the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. I'll put midnight. Yeah, there are a lot of people. Yeah, just, just be- imagine. Just imagine, though. Imagine for a second that new episodes went live 
8 p.m. Eastern, you know, uh, uh, six uh, or, you know, whatever center or Pacific. Um, and like everyone can, can, can get around. You, everyone is awake, can, can gather around, push play at the same time and enjoy and enjoy the heck out of this and like really get to like interact with the community at the, at, you know, at the, at the same time. Like to me, this is a, a, a Game of Thrones level type of appointment viewing that like people would make the time to out of their schedule to go watch this if it was at any reasonable time of the day, not freaking midnight. Well, I think people will still be watching in the morning. I think a lot of people will watch it at Friday nights. It's a Friday night viewing kind of for a lot of people. Um, they come home from work or school or whatever. And then they're giving it. you choice, yeah. Jim. It's yeah. your choice. Don't give me the choice. Give it, it to me at eight o'clock central it. and then I can watch it whenever. As Jim's been spoiled in his PR bubble. He's like, I just want to watch <laughs> it all now. Who has stayed up to <laughs> no, it's like, not even that. I just like, I go live. I, look, I was look. I we all know. Like, I I am not a Game of Thrones fan, even a little bit. I tuned in for the for the for the final season because it was supposedly a big deal. Uh, and but like, well, the thing I enjoyed best, uh, the thing I enjoyed best was seeing everyone's reactions. You know, like live like as it was happening everyone was was experiencing it at the same time well that's aired tv and this is streaming but we're that's never where, but all that's together where i feel like like that's what i that's what i hate the most like amazon amazon does it. amazon is not dropping stuff at midnight all uh, right all right settle down there boomer we're gonna move on <laughs> just like like settle down boomer this is streaming the kids want to stream when they want to stream and i and i have a Let strong feeling just that all friday we're gonna see every friday i think for the next month or two we're going to see social media lit up with mandalorian things i don't think we're going to be i don't think we're going to have a problem with that yeah, what you but, uh, is everyone's gonna everyone's gonna everyone's gonna complain about spoilers because everyone at midnight is going to start tweeting spoilers that that i will say I well that yeah i mean yeah but by now the oncoming complaints of like oh, oh man yeah, and there are some big things like yeah i mean boba fett's coming back with sokatano bo-katan Kreese, whatever else happens in this show they may there's kill baby lot. yoda yeah there's a lot why that's gonna would happen. you say that <laughs> <laughs> Why would you put that in the universe? You don't even know. When, 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 like, when Mark Hamill shows oh, up, you don't you want everyone to, to experience that at the same time and have that, no. that, that shout scream, of jubilation across the so world? I don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. That's the entire point oh. of me streaming. Live your own so life, Jim. What I want. Live yeah. your own life. Yeah. I'm not trying to do this. We can talk about it. I'll, I'll search the hashtag Mark Hamill on Twitter right after I see it. And guess what? There will be a bunch of tweets waiting for me. Like, if they yeah. kill Baby Yoda, I'm blaming you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but um, all right. So we got a little off track. But uh, what we expect to see for Mandalorian Season 2 is stuff about the Great Purge showing up with some, uh, like, probably some strong Jedi cameos. Uh, and Sasha Banks. Awesome. Who, who Sasha Banks is going to be. Yeah, yeah, Sasha Banks. Banks. That's a big one. And to see uh, what spins out of this, because we've already been hearing rumbles. You know, Boba Fett's not the only thing we could get spun out of this. We could get an Ahsoka Tano live action show with Rosario Dawson, which I am totally down for. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways we can go. We've heard this could be a Cara Dune show that, and even one that partners her with Bo-Katan Kreese, because uh, Cara Dune was a um, resistance shock trooper who helped kill a lot of the Imperial remnants. So there's plenty of room for her to have worked on the, you know, liberating Mandalore and doing all this other stuff. So it's an exciting time and Star Wars TV has just been killing it. And uh, we hope that we're right about some of this in when the Mandalorian season two premieres. All right, Jim, this is it. This is your moment. This is your Eminem, lose yourself type <laughs> deal. You had a rundown on Moon Knight comics. We're coming to the end of the show. Tell people now that Moon Knight is coming, 
to the MCU, and we know Oscar Isaac is bringing him to life. What are the good comics that fans should be reading to get more familiar with Marvel's Batman? Man, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they pull from because they're, of the various runs Moon Knight has had, they've kind of been all over the place. Um, so you had, you had the original 80s run that, uh, that, that dips its toe a little bit into, uh, you know, the Khonshu of it all and, you know, the, the, the Moon Knight God and, and all of that, but doesn't, it, it actually spends more time on the three various, uh, you know, uh, personas of, of, um, of Mark Spector than, uh, than anything else. Uh, it, there's a lot of superheroing in it. It's very kind of classic 80s, um, you know, fair. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's great. I mean, it's for modern day readers, having to go back and read some of that 80s stuff is sometimes very tough. Uh, it's a very different style of storytelling. And so if you're a fan of modern comics, this may not be for you, but all of the foundation and stuff is there. Uh, then uh, there were like two other, you know, kind of mini mini series that came after that that were a bit more supernatural. Uh, towards the end of the run, it really did start to get way more supernatural, which uh, I, you know, which is which is a lot of fun and really what makes Moon Knight kind of stand out uh, as as a character. Uh, and then uh, you know the the '90s happened, and uh, all I remember Moon- from Moon Knight in the '90s is him having that gross oatmeal crap all over him. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Moon Knight for me as a character. That's how I got defined. I was like, "Oh, he's a, where, dude with a gross virus under him." Like, it's, it's it's one of those things where the early issues of Mark Spector Moon Knight start were very much felt like a bit of an upgrade from the the tail end of, of the '80s run, and then the '90s start to hit, and it is very '90s. Moon Knight gets art like he gets armored. Uh, he gets an armored costume at some point. Uh, lots of cam- but this is where this is where it actually sets up a lot of future cameo or future uh, pairings with Spider-Man, with Punisher, uh, uh, Ghost Rider, and Daredevil. I mean, he's a member of the Avengers for a hot minute, but like that's actually where I first became a Moon Knight fan was his like team ups with Spider-Man. Yeah, in their books. Yeah, and so uh, and that's, that's like one of the one of the covers that I showcased on. Um, on my Instagram at Jim Viscardi uh, is like, I think the first, one of the first ones is a, a cover that actually Rob Liefeld drew. That's got Spider-Man and Punisher on the cover. Uh, and that's really where like you, you can tell like that's where it gets super nineties. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so that happens and that's just, it's, it's way more action oriented than, than a bit more uh, focused on, you know, the lore of Moon Knight. It's very, uh, like I said, it's, it's Moon Knight more as an action hero than anything else. And so, that, and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, so then Moon Knight goes away for a little bit. And then you, we get the, the, not the most modern Moon Knight, but we get, we get a modern Moon Knight. Basically popping up around the same time uh, as a Civil War uh, shows up. And this is, this is where I think Moon Knight gets his, uh, he's basically just Batman in a white costume kind of uh, sense where he does a lot more with gadgets and, and crime stopping and uh, a lot of that. But it gets, but it gets really, it gets really dark and it's got some of the, the best David, David Finch, Finch art, yeah, even early well. in his career. Just, you knew it's just right like nonstop me. stuff. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so like so like that happens and we take a little break and then uh, there's a, a it get obviously as all things uh, go in in modern comics a new number one a new title Vengeance of Moon Knight which has some of my favorite Moon Knight story it's a short run but man it is some of my favorite stuff it is to me the best blend of action lore and and character building stuff uh, for that it's got some er- really early Jerome Pena art which 
to me is hands down one of the best Moon Knight artists, uh, I, th I think, you know, out there. Um, uh, it's great. It's a great kind of short run, a lot of fun. And then we get to what everyone who is a modern fan knows of Moon Knight. So that is, you know, Mark Spector as Moon Knight and the, his new iteration as Mr. Knight. So it's the run by Warren Ellis and Declan Shelby uh, that has kind of continued on to, to what we know of Moon Knight today. And I, I would imagine that's where a lot of that stuff is going to, going to get pulled from. Uh, the Lemire run of all things, I think, is where uh, we may see more things pulled from than anything else. Uh, just because I think it gives Marvel Studios an opportunity to get uh, spacey in a way, or really get, get trippy in a very different way that we've seen from Doctor Strange or you know, what we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home. I think it's a, an opportunity to do that and they don't have anything else in their lineup that I think will, will do that. I really hope that like, it, it, it dives into a lot of the Conchu um, uh, lore of it all because to me, that's just fascinating stuff. And again, that's another one of the, the personas of Moon Knight that is in that Declan Shalvey and Warren Ellis run where like he puts on basically bone bird armor and starts fighting a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, but all in all, like there's, there's a lot of good stuff uh, to, to choose from. Uh, the, the most recent stuff uh, is the, is the, I mean, the last run that we had was the Max Bemis stuff, which honestly, if you're trying to get a sense of like what Moon Knight is or, or like, it's a great run. Uh, if you're a Moon Knight fan or, or an established Moon Knight fan, I would not recommend it starting with issue 188 as your first Moon Knight book to read because it is not very Moon Knighty. I mean, not very Moon Knight. It's, it's saddled with a lot of continuity that I think it would turn a lot of new fans off. Well, because yeah, um, I was building towards his 200th issue. Right. And so and yeah, was it was it. very much, yeah, bringing all that yeah personally i still so, think for the purpose of the show i hope they go with just a simple procedure of the mr knight versus moon knight personas and then give you backstory about all the crazy things he's been through and all the personas to get to that place yeah um only because i like the the dynamic of mr knight being kind of a street level aiding the cops with like street level crooks and moon knight whipping out mystical artifacts to fight like supernatural threats and stuff yeah and kind of being like a batman with mystical gadgets which was be like really cool like that could be really yep. cool um yep. so i hope they go with that but uh there you go that's jim's rundown of uh moon knight in your prep for moon knight comics all right matt you have your own rundown you had a couple things you want to mention before we get out of here so why don't you take us through that yeah so uh bringing us to a close here uh we'll hit a few well actually we'll hit a movie thing first since it's kind of movie and gaming uh the tomb raider sequel which i was looking forward to uh might still be coming but it has been pulled off the schedule so it is kind of like indefinite we have no idea a lot of movies are being it's in limbo but it is in limbo so that's, that's the alicia vikander but series. uh but hope it comes back uh, as far as comics just wanted to mention two quick ones uh batgirl ended its series with number 50 uh and i will just say there's a, there's like three different stories in this book uh and the first one kind of wraps a lot of her threads and and brings batgirl kind of sets it up for whoever's going to take it up next uh but there's a last story is a birds of prey D, D game and if you're a nerd you should read this because it's fantastic and fun and ridiculous and i loved it they're all playing characters in the game and it's great uh the other big uh finale was uh power rangers dragon new dawn which is kind of set in that dragon coinless universe and they do a bunch of stuff here and uh set it up for a sequel if they want to but uh i guess we can get into spoilers oh my lord 
Andros is evil and he's working for Dark Spectre. And oh my God, I lost my, I lost my mind. <laughs> Power Rangers fans. I'm all in for evil thing. Andros. Oh my God. Oh God. So anyway, so that was big. So definitely check that out. I think it was, uh, I thought it was really good. As far as gaming goes, we were talking about Mandalorian. So uh, some sweet Mandalorian content is coming uh, to Star Wars Squadrons. You can have a little baby Yoda on your dash. You're going to have a couple of other little figurines and some things to like customize your cockpit. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, Far Cry 6 has been delayed. Uh, it was supposed to come out in February of 2021. It has now been pushed back to kind of every, every big game like movies. Cyberpunk, it's just going to yeah, get delayed. All the big ones. Uh, so that one is, they say, is going to come before April of 2021. That is it. So they didn't give us a specific date. Uh, we've got a bunch of Final Fantasy 16 details I'm very excited about. You can go to comicbook.com and hit up all the, there's this huge, like, a bunch of different descriptions of all the different realms in the world where you have the whole front uh, main cast. We have a bunch of stuff about summons uh, who are called dominants. Uh, in this world, so definitely check that out. Uh, WWE, we're gonna. I was last night was Halloween Havoc for for old school fans. It was kind of the return of a beloved pay per view. I thought they did a fantastic job. There was even a big pumpkin. Uh, there was a for two seconds. It, Johnny a- Gargano slashed it, and it was great. And also the Johnny Gargano thing of I love wheels and I hate wheels is amazing. You should definitely check out all those promos on social media. This is a rundown. No opinion. This is a rundown. Exactly. So there are a bunch of like, I mean, you should check out our coverage. There are a bunch of huge moments. But if you were looking for like just ridiculous, really solid matches, you should definitely check that out. Uh, we also have, and this is just mostly a tease, but by the time you are hearing this, it will be Friday. And so we will definitely have some uh, scoops on the Power Rangers page. Uh, you should check out our official rundown of the Dino Fury cast, uh, which will include names, uh, photos. We did a bunch of interviews with the cast. So you should definitely check all that out if you want your official first look. So that is the rundown. All right. Thank you, Matt. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can listen on the site or you can listen to your favorite podcast platforms, which include Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. You can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll get going for you. Or you can watch episodes live every Wednesday and Friday on Facebook if you miss them live. You can always find us at the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to get involved with the show, interact with us, drop topics, react to anything we say, you can always find us at the Comic Book Nation Twitter account, at Comic Book Nation, or find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, which we also keep track of. We can also contact us there. You can find me personally at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. I'm at Jim Viscardi. That'll do it for this episode. Once again, we want to thank you guys. If you're liking the show, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star review because we got to clean out this merch closet once COVID is over. And uh, our five-star reviewers got T-shirts coming their way. So go ahead and leave your review on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.